Welcome to Eyes West, the podcast for movers looking for a new place to live in the American West and the best connections to get it done. Here's your host, Dick Crawford. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Eyes West. This is Dick Crawford, and today's introduction was from today's guest, Cindy Hain from Missoula, Montana, and she actually serves the Missoula and Bitterroot Valleys in western Montana. Cindy and I have trained in the same network for many years, and we have a very similar approach to the real estate business, and that's, of course, why I trust her implicitly. Today's episode is a wonderful opportunity to get to know her and the area that she serves. So thank you for being on the program today, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. And I'm thrilled and honored to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. It's good to have you. And I I love the idea of representing Montana on the program because uh, we don't have a a lot of connections up there and it's important to have a good one. So very happy to have you on the show with us. Let's jump in and start with your work. Take a quick minute here. Where are you in your real estate career today? You know, Dick, I've been in the industry for over 35 years, and I'm still an active broker in California and in Montana. I was raised in the development industry, uh, specifically residential development, and worked with my father for decades. His company was responsible for over 8,000 new homes in California. From there, I moved to Montana 26 years ago, and I'm still deeply involved in the real estate industry here. It's a profession that I absolutely love and plan to continue in the years to come. Fantastic. Let's get a brief profile on how you work. What's your approach to the business of real estate? So my business is very specific in that it's based on relationships not transactions. My clients become my friends and are my biggest advocates. I consider myself to be a matchmaker in connecting my clients with the best property for them. We spend a lot of time together in the consultation phase, so I really understand what their vision is. Additionally, I'm blessed to be associated with the best real estate professionals across the country and can connect my clients, their families, and friends with preferred providers in any region. I'm never too busy for their referrals as well. Absolutely. And boy, I tell you, uh, being prepared for the transaction is probably one of the biggest steps. So the fact that you take that time to prepare them is is huge. In our our work as realtors, we wear a lot of hats. What, what's just one of your favorite hats to wear during that whole process? Well, as you can imagine, there's over 27 steps in a real estate transaction, so to choose just one is pretty hard. But for me, I would say finding the perfect property and guiding them through every step of the process in a stress-free manner. I want them to have a good time. I want them to feel confident, that they're making the right decision, the right move, and they're going to be very happy uh, when they do close that escrow. And how do you help them feel comfortable and engaged during that process? What, what, what are some of the things you do? I ask a lot of questions, and it's my goal to listen, advocate, and assist my clients. 
They know that I'm there as their trusted advisor and also their friend. We really have a good time together. That's important, absolutely. Now, if I'm looking at the map, I see uh, I have my I'll, I'll, there's my map jiggling in the in the background. Um, <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking at the map of the West, and I see Missoula, of course, uh, very western Montana, um, kind of uh, two thirds of the way up uh, Idaho. Um, but tell me about your your geographic service area of those two valleys, um, so that people can understand the the width and breadth of your of your um, your area. Thank you. So I do specialize in the Bitterroot Valley and the Missoula Valley area. The Bitterroot Valley, if you can imagine, is 95 miles long and 45 miles wide. We have the same recreational amenities as mountain resort towns, but without the hype and troves of tourists. We essentially do not have the t-shirt shop on every corner like you would find in a resort town. It's known as the banana belt of, the, of Montana due to the mild climate. The elevation is just uh, 3,570 feet, so the seasons are gentle. The Bitterroot Selway Wilderness Area offers 1.3 million acres, which is the largest wilderness area in the lower 48 states. Lost Trail Powder Mountain is our local ski area, and was featured in the Wall Street Journal as one of the hidden treasures in the United States. Missoula is known as the Garden City and is a vibrant college town with year-round events, culture, restaurants, outdoor activities, and of course, the University of Montana Grizzly football. It has a strong sense of community, and each neighborhood has its unique characteristics. It lies at the convergence of three rivers, and seven wilderness areas. The population just for Missoula proper is around 100,000. Give me three bullet points that you want our listeners to learn about today, just three brief topics that they can listen for in our talk. I will. Uh, Montana is known as the big sky country, and it's all true. If you can imagine majestic mountains, vibrant blue skies, millions of acres of national forests, crystal clear mountain lakes, and robust trout-filled streams, Fall is my favorite time of year with the crisp mornings, warm afternoons, and the leaf uh, changing colors. It is breathtaking. Missoula is very active with the college scene, farmers markets, world-class concerts under the stars, a vast variety of restaurants, local tap houses, breweries, neighborhood parks, golf courses, and a hip downtown scene. We also have the nationally recognized Missoula Marathon, festivals, and world-class healthcare. It's easy to get here with the well-maintained highways and air travel. We're serviced by Alaska, Allegiant, American, Delta, Frontier, and United Airlines. Okay. You've got a lot going on for 100,000 people. That's very good. You briefly mentioned the mountains and the college town and things like that. And you also mentioned some of the popular activities during the year, like the marathons and such. Uh, go a little bit deeper with that. What are some of the more popular activities during the year? So outdoor adventures include fly fishing on the various rivers, cross-country skiing, snowmobiling, downhill skiing, mountain biking, hunting, camping, trail riding, rock climbing, golfing, trap shooting, we have locally crafted libations, including brewery tours, 
wine and mead tasting, distilleries, and hard ciders. We have an abundance of youth activities, which include the world-renowned Missoula Children's Theater, 4-H clubs, FFA, which stands for Future Farmers of America, and Pony Club, just to name a few. The arts and entertainment abound with lots of art um, galleries, live theater, performing arts centers, Shakespeare in the Park, Celtic festivals, Missoula Symphony and Chorale, PRCA-sanctioned rodeos, Bluegrass Festival, and so many more. Wow. It's got a similar array that you would find in a big city, but you don't have to stand in line very long. <laughs> that's, what no. I, that's what I take from that. That's, that's wonderful. That sounds very, very good. I have a tough question for you. Uh, this is a tough one for everybody. Tell me one thing you love about your city and why. Just maybe a little story as to why you love your city for one reason. Okay. So I moved to Montana from California. I'm a California native. I moved here 27 years ago with my late husband. And we never looked back. This is a place that fills your heart and soul with natural beauty and the wildlife, but it's mostly the people. They welcome you with such warmth and generosity. I really didn't understand the meaning of what neighbor meant until I moved here. Montana does make you a better person, and it makes you a better steward of the land. Mm. That is so needed right now. That sounds, um, sounds almost old-fashioned. I love it. Small town values. Yeah, definitely. What are the primary reasons that people are moving to the area? Because I know uh, you can't, can't miss it. Uh, Montana and some of those places up there are just exploding with people. What are the primary reasons people are moving? So the people are moving here for the quality of life that Western Montana offers. It's a family-friendly environment. As I said before, we do have small-town values, the four-season recreation, and the ability to have elbow room. After the pandemic hit, we were one of the top destinations in the nation to relocate to. I think Coeur d'Alene was number one, and we were number two. People are able to work remotely while enjoying the beauty and outdoor activities. Additionally, the wildly popular TV series Yellowstone is filmed here with the Dutton Ranch located in the southern part of the Bitterroot Valley. A number of the cast and crew from the production have purchased real estate here as they love the low-key lifestyle and the ability to fit in with the community. So you got a little Hollywood going on. Good for you. It's been fun seeing this whole uh, production take place. Isn't it fascinating to watch that happen? It is, and they've, they've been wonderful stewards of the area. What is the employment outlook? Who are the biggest employers? So the Bitterroot Valley has a completely different employment structure than Missoula, so I'll hit both of them. In the Bitterroot Valley, we have both GlaxoSmithKline and the Rocky Mountain Lab as one of our top employers. The Rocky Mountain Lab is a level four lab, and so they are doing very, very high-level um, experiments and testing. We have two startup companies right now, Tonics, which is a vaccine-producing company and local bounty that are growing exponentially, 
and are in the hiring process right now. In Missoula, we have two nationally recognized hospitals with all specialties, obviously the service industries, financial institutions, and regional governmental services that are all wonderful employment opportunities. There are also a number of startup software companies that are relocating to the Missoula area and are ha actively hiring as well. Interesting. Uh, just a quick side note, is employment an issue? Or are they having a tough time finding people? We do have a labor shortage as well as the rest of the country, so there are opportunities everywhere. Oh, very good. Describe a couple of ways that a new resident can get involved in the community. So it's easy to live like a local. If you have specific interests or passions, there are plenty of opportunities to volunteer at a nonprofit organization or annual event. There's a saying that if you're bored in Montana, then you're doing it wrong. Such opportunities include the Missoula Marathon, the Carousel at Terrace Park, the Riverbank Run, Backcountry Horsemen, Volunteer Fire Departments, Humane Associations, Animal Sanctuaries, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, um, whose headquarters is in Missoula, the Teller Wildlife Refuge, the Daly Mansion, Lee Metcalf Refuge, local libraries, community gardens, the list is endless. We're also named as one of the 10 bike-friendly areas in the United States. I was going to ask you about the Bitterroot Valley. I think you said uh, 3,500 feet. Is it relatively level valley, or is it is it uh, climbing from a lower elevation to a higher elevation? In, in terms of biking and such, it sounds like it would be gorgeous, but what's the elevation change? Um, the elevation change where the bike path is is relatively flat It's level. We actually have a 45-mile paved bike trail that runs from Florence, which is in the north end of the valley, all the way down through Darby. And uh, people utilize that year-round. So you'll, you'll see people biking, hiking, um, skateboarding, whatever, and walking their dogs. And so there's plenty of um, opportunity to in, embrace the outdoor activities and not have to deal with a lot of uh, elevation. All right. Very good. That's music to my ears. Because, boy, when I skateboard, and if I'm going to skateboard 45 miles, I don't want to <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen people do it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Is that right? That's crazy. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Um, let's talk, uh, talk about that growth for a minute. Um, sounds like there's a lot going on and a lot of high-tech stuff as well. Are regional services able to, to keep the pace and support that growth? You know, we are experiencing growing pains with people moving here, but it's not as dire as it sounds. So far, we've been able to absorb the growth without any substantial negative effects. The schools, hospitals, airports, and recreational opportunities are still well-balanced and not crowded. The biggest effect, though, is in the building industry due to the increase in new home construction and the remodeling work. People do need to be patient and plan accordingly. Yes, definitely. What about uh, things like regional airport or health care, things like that? Is that 
uh, something that is on the move as well? Absolutely. And so they do continue to add uh, additional flights into the regional airport. And they obviously are hiring more doctors and health service providers to keep up with the demand. Is, um, is quote unquote congestion an issue uh, in a relative sense? Uh, you'd have to quantify that. So if you were, okay, so if you were talking California congestion, no, we don't have that. But um, have we had an increase in vehicular traffic? Absolutely we have, but nothing close to what you all are going through in California. It doesn't take us 45 minutes to go two miles. Yeah, there you go. That would be quick on some days. Uh, Exactly. So that's, that's good to hear. Now let's let's um, get into the real estate side for a moment here. Southern California cities, of course, have home price ranges all over the map, and and I know you do too with ranches and such. But talk to me about um, pricing up in your your neck of the woods. What's that? Uh, what can somebody expect? So obviously, we do have different segments in the market. We have recreational, we have agricultural, we have farming and ranch, we have recreate, uh, obviously residential and uh, straight land. But I'm going to talk just about on the average of residential right now. Our average home price is about 375000 and this would be a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, 1,900-square-foot home on about a half an acre. We have seen a 24% price increase in the past year, and our inventory still remains low. If a home is strategically priced, we will see multiple offers and some above the asking price. Typically, we have between three and 400 active listings in all price points at any one time, but currently, we only have 164 active listings, so there still is competition. People are interested in acquiring a home with a grand view, a few acres for a garden, animals, privacy, a separate shop if possible, and close to town conveniences. A separate shop. That, I hear that coming up in so many different uh, areas. It's, it's, um, in Southern California, of course, we just call it the man cave because there's only like you know, 200 square feet that we can set aside for, for that area. But a shop in, in many Western states is like a 3,000 square foot um, gymnasium, we would call it here. Is that accurate? Is that what you're talking about when you say a shop? You know, I've seen all levels of shops from just basically a uh, pole frame enclosed building that would hold their uh, Montana toys all the way up to a 5,200 square foot fully heated, fully amenitized shop that has full bar, basketball court, uh, media room, you name it, it's in there. And so... It just depends on what your vision is and also your budget. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes the vision is a little bit bigger than the budget. But boy, a 5,200 square foot shop, I, I know a lot of people who just wouldn't leave that building. That just sounds fantastic. And, and you've got the great outdoors at your doorstep too. So you need a shop like that to hold all those Montana toys. It's it's interesting. Your median price, I think you said three seventy five for a, a three bedroom, two bath home. That sounds almost normal across a lot of different areas. 
But what's different is you say it's on a quarter of an acre, which is 10,000 square foot, maybe 11,000 square foot lot. Um, sometimes that's, that can be seen as a little bit larger than, than homes in other areas. That's pretty much the norm, but what about the extremes? What's, what's, the, what's a big house? Talk about some of those big houses that you've, uh, that you've encountered. Oh gosh, um, I have. I just closed on a home. It, it's an 8,000 square foot log home that was uh, highlighted on Discovery Channel's Epic Log Homes, and that was sold for 10 million dollars. Um, you see, it, really everything from 780 square feet all the way up to 25,000 square feet. Wow. And we do have uh, a few gated communities that have the larger homes in them, one of them being the Stock Farm Club, which is a private community. It is uh, home to the um, number one golf course in, West, in Montana, excuse me, it's Tom mm-hmm. Fazio course, and they do have a clubhouse, a 16-acre equestrian center, shooting center, fitness center, full pool and they offer uh, different levels of membership, and you will see homes there over 25,000 square feet. That's, that's wild. Wow. And again, all that open space around it, too. So the scale is about right. you got a big house. you got big sky. That's fantastic. What about the uh, supply of new homes? You touched on that a minute ago. Is construction meeting demand, or is it severely behind? Tell me about that. Well, as I mentioned before, our contractors are very busy right now trying to keep up with the current demand. Supplies were delayed for a while, like everywhere across the country, but the pipeline seems to be moving a little bit better now. The standard home that's being built is a farm-style home, single-level living, again, about 1,900 square feet with a three-car garage, large view windows, luxury vinyl plank flooring, natural stone countertops, volume ceilings, nice appliance package, technology alcove, and well-appointed mudroom. A home with these amenities would be listed for approximately 700000 I may have missed it. What uh, size of a, a lot is that? Standard would be about an acre. Okay, that's good. I mean, for us. Now, for Montana, that might be a little tight. Uh, talk, to me, talk to me about that. What, what do the locals say about buying a house with an acre? Is that decent or is that a little bit light? Uh, it depends on what you're going to do with that acre. You know, with an acre, you're not going to have a horse or a cow or a sheep on it. You might have some chickens, but if you are planning to have uh, farm animals, you would want to look at anything five acres and above. And... Uh, in terms of elbow room, it probably says the same thing. If you're just going to enjoy it as an acre of, of nature, then that should be okay. Um, but if you're going to do some activities on it, then it all of a sudden might get a little bit smaller. And of course, correct. And the, yeah, and the other thing people have to realize is if you do get big acreage, you have to maintain that acreage, and that's going to include irrigation, fencing, uh, weed management. So it, it does take work, and that's part of the discussions that I have with my clients ahead of time. Okay, let's dig into that a little bit more. And you know, we're not talking about the 10,000 acre, but maybe the 5 acre, the 10 acre, the 100 acre. 
mm-hmm. talk about that. You know, pretend I'm that buyer. What, what's that conversation? How's that go? My first question is, do you want to maintain Montana or enjoy Montana? Because okay. there is a difference between the two. Uh-huh. And if people want to enjoy Montana, then I tell them to look for smaller acreage and enjoy the amenities that are outside of what you have to maintain. If people want to actually experience what it's like to maintain this, and again, that's going to be irrigation, that's going to be taking care of your fences, it's going to be um, your pasture management, there's a lot to it. Um, I live on a 200-acre ranch, if you can imagine. Mm. And coming from California, that was not in my bandwidth when I moved up here. But my late husband was from Wyoming, and so he taught me all about it, and we ran a cow-calf operation for a while, so I've learned all about cows. I can drive a tractor now. I know how to um, do irrigation. I know how to take care of fencing. And it, it is a lifestyle. It is enjoyable. I consider it the fountain of youth. There you go. I was just thinking uh, uh, in terms of all that work, and for some people they might think, oh, my gosh, that will be the death of me. But then right then and there when I was thinking that, you said it's the fountain of youth because uh, you're out there it engaged. Is. is that the idea? You are. You, you get up in the morning and you are moving. There are things to do. And if everything is well-maintained, it's not that hard to take care of, but you, just, you do have to stay on top of it. And that's in addition to my full-time business. Okay, well, thank you for that. That was a nice little uh, vignette, if you will, of, of um, what to expect when you get up there. How can you help an out-of-town buyer uh, if they're coming into town and they say, gosh, we love it, we want to buy and stay, um, but we have to get back to our jobs and give our notice. Um, what do you do in the meantime, whether it's new construction or, or a resale home, if you will, how can you help that out-of-town buyer? Well, you know, whether you're building a new home or shopping for an improved property, having local representation is imperative. With technology, I can do live tours to view the new listing, be there during the inspection process, the walkthrough before closing, or meeting subcontractors as needed. I have a wonderful list of preferred providers who are seasoned professionals that I can share with my clients to assist in their needs. It's my job to be the client advocate through the real estate process and after closing. And being on top of it even more so because they're out of town. Correct. Can a buyer find a rental for a few months before they buy if they just say, we've sold our house, we pulled up stakes, we're here in town to stay, we need a rental for a few months or a year? What's the rental market like? Rentals are extremely difficult to find right now. We do have a handful of property managers who are quite helpful, and there is a good inventory of short-term vacation rentals as well but it's important to plan early and book right away. We do have limited inventory. I've heard that people will rent a place in an area that they don't intend to live in just because it, it can be fun, it can be uh, you know, a good experience, it might be in a vacation area, and then they, you know, they buy their house in town or whatever in a little bit different spot. Is there an opportunity for that? Actually, what most people do is they tour through the valley uh, June, July, and August. We call that the Chamber of Commerce Month 
because they are looking for different areas to relocate to. And usually after Labor Day, when the kids are back in school and everybody's back to work, that's when they come back up here and do their serious shopping. They generally will stay in a local hotel or um, if they have the, the ability to do so, stay at Triple Creek, which is one of the top resorts in the United States, and that's in Darby. So they can experience the area through those channels and then decide whether they want to make that move. And when, and again, this is a Southern California boy talking, you can partially relate, I think. When does winter start? What's the impetus to buy before it, it gets a little bit more inclement, shall we say? You know, snow can show up at any time. I've had snow here in June. Um, okay. I've had snow here for Halloween. I've played golf on Thanksgiving. Every year is different. Hmm. but we are in a milder climate, so if it does snow, it might snow three, four inches, then it goes away. Six inches, then it goes away. I, I was not leaving California for six feet of snow. That was not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've been here for 27 years, 27 winters, and out of those 27 winters, we probably have had three bad ones, and that's not too bad. No, that's really good. And that's the uh, 3,500 feet uh, coming coming home to roost. It's maybe a little bit cooler than than lower, but it's not 5,000 feet where you're going to get more consistent snow. Correct. Now, what two or three things should an out of town buyer uh, consider when looking to buy up there? What are the you talked about the land and taking care of the land and and things like that? What should they be considering? You know, people need to acknowledge that this is a four-season environment. So we do get snow. We do get cold weather. But for me, it's more of a delight than a nuisance. Secondly, we are a mountainous and farming region, which means that there is an abundance of wildlife and ranching activity. So we hope that people will have common sense expectations when living within these environments. And I would be more than happy to answer any question about that because people really don't understand the depth of those environments of living in. Yeah, there, there have been reports over the years in a lot of different states where the, the farmland gets, uh, gets developed and suddenly people realize they're surrounded by farm animals. I thought this was a tracked neighborhood, you know, and then there's a movement to get rid of the farm. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, just as much as the animal, the wild animals were here before we got here, the farm was here before you got here. So that is something to really realize. It's it's um, it's a way of life, and you are coming into it, and you're 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 not going to change it very very much. You got to just know what you're getting into and enjoy it. Correct. You talk about people coming up there and staying in a hotel. Do you find that people can make a decision pretty quickly, or are they in for a for a long stay? What's that, that decision process like, especially for somebody coming from a completely different environment? Everybody's different. You know, some people have done due diligence over the years, and so they're coming here a little more prepared and educated. Okay. Other people are just starting their search. And that's why I ask a lot of questions to make sure that people really think through their decision. And when they do finally decide on a property, it's done with an educated knowledge of the area, of the property, and of the lifestyle. 
Some people have purchased Sight Unseen just off of um, live video tours that I've done, and they have just been thrilled with their move. Everybody's different, and that's my job is to help find them that pathway. That is so true, and it's no different anywhere in the country, but you said it very, very well, is you really got to get, you got to do your homework. And, you, and part of your homework is finding out about yourself. What, what do I really want? Who am I and how am I going to uh, blend in with this new environment? And what's going to, you know, what's going to keep me happy and keep me engaged? And that's a tough one for people when they're going to a completely different area and envisioning what it's going to be like. Uh, so that's a very valuable service you're providing there. Any war stories in that in that respect? <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. I could write a book. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there um, <laughs> there, there, there's plenty of war stories, and I have fun sharing those with my clients. We get a good laugh out of it, but I also use that as educational uh, tools as well. Do, do you have a Do you have one favorite quick war snippet? We'll call it a war snippet. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, probably the funniest one was a million-dollar home that I was actually representing. And the people that owned it were gone for the weekend. The kids had a Halloween party. And I came in to thong underwear everywhere. Um, I had a horse locked in the garage. I had, uh, if you remember the Adams family, the thing, the hand that moved. Yeah. I had a mechanicalized Thing that came around the corner and we all just jumped sky high. It, it was hilarious and the, the property was in probably the worst shape possible, but the buyers bought it. They turned it into just an incredible environment and the buyers and I have remained dear friends ever since. We bonded that day. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Nothing like thing coming around the corner to help mm -hmm. you bond with a buyer. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Cindy Hain from Missoula and Bitterroot Valleys in western Montana. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed your stories, and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for inviting me to introduce my area and also myself to your listeners. I truly appreciate it. Well, the pleasure was all mine, Cindy. You take care and have a productive rest of the month, all right? I will. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Cindy Hain from Missoula, Montana, and she serves the Missoula and Bitterroot Valleys in western Montana. And you can tell this is an experienced and personable professional. And she is just ready to help you land on both feet up there in, in the Missoula area. If you would like a formal introduction, please feel free to contact me or your local agent, and we'll be happy to hook you up. And of course, Cindy will be happy to consult with you and make sure that the Halloween party is cleaned up before you arrive. To, uh, to understand the real value of using a realtor known to me and my colleagues, take a listen to the first episode of Eyes West. It's called the Eyes West Resource, and it's down at the bottom of the list at number one. I make a few points in that talk, and the most important one is the value of relationships when buying or selling your home. And I think you can kind of get a little bit of an idea of that in our talk here with Cindy today. Whenever searching for Eyes West, be sure to enter it as one word, Eyes West, and check us out at, on our Facebook page as well. To learn a little bit more about me, you can Google me as Dick Crawford Realtor. I'm always available for your real estate needs here in North Orange County, California, and I have trustworthy colleagues throughout California who can help in areas outside my expertise. 
That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be good, be well, and be safe.